Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. We're going to continue talking about the storyline of Nehemiah. We opened this box last week, and we talked about some of the key points uh, very briefly. But we're going to dig into the implications for us. And I encourage you all to read uh, the whole book of Nehemiah. Last gathering, I asked who read it, and only one person raised their hand. So I'm not going to ask this time, just for my own emotional fortitude. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I hope you did read it. I hope you're familiar with the story, because we can't read the whole book today. Amen. But we're going to go through some key points, and I believe we're going to get strategy for the building process. Amen. Because we're called to build. Now is the time to build. And God gives blueprints for moments like these. Aren't you glad when God, like, here's the plan. Isn't that great? <laughs> so we're going to go with God's plan in these moments. So let's pray. Um, and let's pray for the word of God to be manifest, the person of the word to be manifest in the preaching of the word. Amen. So, Father God, we ask you to manifest the Son of God right now by the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, come. Let there be encounters with the person of Jesus Christ right now as we open your word. Father, I ask you to impact us deeply. I pray for your voice to be in my voice today, that we would hear a word from you because we don't live on bread or resources or any food or any other source of life. We live on every word that proceeds from your mouth. So God, would you speak to our hearts today? Come on, pray that for yourself. Lord, speak to my heart today. Speak to me. Give me a word from your mouth today. And we receive your word, Father. We receive what you're saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. By the way, you know why we say amen? Because amen means so be it unto me. It means that, I want that. Yes to that, give it to me. That's why you say amen. Amen? Okay. Just feel like telling people some things today. All right. So the storyline of Nehemiah, this story is epic. It's like straight out of like Lord of the Rings level cinema. It's amazing. All right. And the first part of the story in Nehemiah chapter 1 is Nehemiah hears from his brothers that the walls and the gates are burnt by fire and broken down. And he goes into days of mourning and grieving. And he grieves the fact that the city of his fathers is plundered and broken. But then he goes to his day job. How many know that Nehemiah was actually serving as a cupbearer to the king? The king Artaxes. I don't know how to say his name. Something like those are our taxes or something like that. I don't know. Um, uh, Man, should not go there. So he's serving in a foreign land, a foreign king. And the king notices his grief. The king actually says, what is wrong? This isn't sickness on your face. And that's important because a cupbearer would actually drink before the king. Are you hearing this? Like, if he's, he's testing to be poison. So he's looking at the, the face of the cupbearer all the time. He's like, okay, you took a drink. You're okay? All right. And I was like, that's what they did. So he goes, this isn't sickness. This, this is something else. Your heart is broken. There's something terribly devastating going on in your life. What is it? And he asks him, what's wrong? And Nehemiah explains. He says, the walls of my city, my father's city, where they're buried, they are broken down. The gates are burnt by fire. And he actually has the, the, the fortitude or the boldness to ask the king for resources. He says, this is what's happening. And 
Can you fund me in rebuilding the wall? Think of this. Can you help me rebuild a foreign nation? Not your nation, my nation. What king says yes to that? This one. Somehow. Somehow this king says, yeah, what do you need? You can have it. How much time do you need? You can have it. There's some pretty funny moments in there where he asks the king for these things. And then it says, I, and I consulted within myself and then said to the king. One time it says, I prayed to the Lord and said to the king. The other time it says, and I consulted within myself and said to the king. You know what? Translation. You ready? He said, I didn't know he was going to say yes. What do I say? <laughs> like, he goes, yeah, how much, what, how much money do you need? And he goes, I consulted within myself. <laughs> you ever been in that moment? You're like, I didn't know it was going to be a yes. I, had, I didn't have an answer for you because I expected a no. And he comes back. He's like, $1 billion. You know, no, it was expensive, but probably not that. I don't know uh, the numbers, how it works out. But if I were Nehemiah, I'd be like, $100 trillion. And he's like, well, I can only give you $10 billion. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll take it. You know, that's, <laughs> so it's just a funny moment. Very human moment. He's, I consulted within myself. And then said, anyway, I just want to point out a couple things about this, uh, that Nehemiah goes with this, this support and with these supplies, and he goes to inspect the walls for himself, and he inspects them at night, say at night. He goes into the darkness and, it's, and inspects them. He doesn't consult with any of the Jewish nobles. He doesn't ask for anyone's opinion. He doesn't ask the people who are living there where are the biggest problems. He comes in from a foreign land and goes and looks for himself into the brokenness of his city. Now, why is that important? Here's the first thing I'll say. Because he was a marketplace person. He was not a priest. He wasn't a scribe. He wasn't like a holy dude. He was a political, like, support staff. You get this? Like, he was, like, in the cabinet, right? He was... He was in the marketplace. God used a man like Nehemiah. He didn't use Ezra to rebuild. Ezra's the scribe. Ezra's the teacher. He used the layperson. He used the person that's in the world. How many know that people that work in business are often better at building things for God than those who are the loudest mouthpieces for God? Just saying. It's actually an apostolic anointing that was on Nehemiah. So he goes as a marketplace individual, a political individual, right? And he didn't, this was the strategy of God, and you need to receive from this today. He didn't seek the opinions of others first. He wanted to see the damage firsthand. He wanted to see the damage for himself. He didn't want to be led around by those who are in the pity party, who are suffering and under derision. He didn't want to be led around by those who are in turmoil to be told where the worst places are, because he didn't trust it. <laughs> In your trauma, in your moment of pain, you should not trust yourself to find the, what you need. You need to trust someone else. There's balance in this. There's tension in this, and we're going to get into it. But we have to resist a certain temptation here. If we're going to go in and we're going to look for broken places in our own hearts, right? I'm not talking about in moments of trauma. I'm looking at this, these walls have been broken for a while. Okay, it didn't happen yesterday. The brokenness was there. If we're going to start that process in our own hearts, we have to refuse the temptation to let others form our assessment of ourselves. What I mean by that is your first assessment of your broken down walls needs to be between you and the Lord. 
Some of you are waiting just to be found out. Some of you are just waiting to be called out from the stage. You have sin in your life. There's sin in your camp. You're waiting for me to drop a word of knowledge or something so that you finally get it out there. And God is not going to do that for many of you. He might do it for some. But he wants you to partner with him to find the broken places in your heart. He doesn't want you to have a, a consultation with the whole world. Where am I broken? You know, everyone else tell me. No, he wants to show you. And he goes into the night, into the dark places. He, want, he did this to get an honest assessment of the brokenness. Are you with me? An honest assessment. And we also need to have an honest moment of assessment of the broken down walls in our own lives. We have to take a look into the darkness. We can't expect others to do that for you. I'm not here to do that for you. Are you hearing me? You have to be bold and brave and courageous, sent by the king with resources to help, no doubt. But you have to be honest with yourself and go, man, you know what? I've got that problem. I have that compromise. I'm doing that thing. You need to go into the dark recesses of your life and be willing to assess with no one else's opinion. And then you go to the elders. Then you go to the nobles because that's the plan here. So Nehemiah then gathers the nobles, and he entreats them to rebuild the wall. They see that Nehemiah has a plan and the means to do it, blessed by the king. So he comes with solutions. He comes with solutions. You know those people that like pointing out problems but have no way to help? I don't get along with those people very well. I have a problem when all you have is a problem. And you don't have any solution. So what are you going to do about that is usually my question. Like, I'm doing what I'm going to do about that. I'm gossiping. Sorry, they don't say that, but that's really what's happening. I'm just saying what it is. You know what gossip is? Talking about things you have nothing to contribute to. If you can't contribute to it directly, shut your mouth. Thus saith the Caleb. Okay? <laughs> That's not a quote from the Bible. That's just me trying to be your friend. Like, stop talking until you have something to actually say. Something that will help. Resourced by the king. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen. Are you with me? This is what Nehemiah says to the nobles, okay? Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 through 18. This is Nehemiah speaking. He says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. What they did was they trusted someone else more than they trusted themselves because they were the one in the pit. Come on, somebody. You know what the worst thing you can do when you're miserable is find someone else who's miserable. Misery loves comedy, and that's just the spirit of foolishness, all right? I need to find someone else who understands my pain. No, you need to find someone else who's overcome your pain. We have to trust the leaders God has resourced and anointed to lead us through times of tragedy. You know what I do in times of tragedy? You know what I'm doing in this time? I went straight to my pastors. First call. 
boom. What do I do? Do you have anything for me? I immediately sought help. I didn't start making a plan. I didn't start trying to react. I had no reaction until I had resources. I have a pastor who's been pastoring me for 20 years this September. I turned 34 this September. And he has been pastoring me since I was 14 years old. Find someone who will pray for you for 20 years straight. I went to him. I talked to him. I said, this is, oh, what? and he's just there. He knows my whole timeline. He knows my, my weaknesses. He knows my proclivities. He knows everything. He had resources for me from a, from a sure, steadfast place of knowledge and grace. That's what you need. You need to go and trust somebody more than you trust yourself. That's mostly the problem in the church when there's calamity. We just trust ourselves. Mistake. <laughs> Big mistake. God wants to restore every broken wall. Amen? He wants to restore every broken down place. Amen? Okay, can I get an amen in this Presbyterian meeting? He wants to restore everything that the devil has broken. God has a plan for restoration. Amen? Okay. I want to feel it on my face. That's what I want. I want the, I want the amen on my face. Let me say this to you. With that heavy amen, hear this. God's restoration is never done in isolation. Never. He won't bless it. Some of you are just trying to get healed in your prayer closet, and God is trying to get phone a friend down to you in your prayer closet and say, go talk to someone else. You're talking to me. That's great. Go now talk to someone else. You see the broken walls. First you go to him, right? First assessment. But it's not the only assessment. Then you go to others who are trusted, who have resources, who have wisdom. Who, For them, it's easy for them to give you that answer. You know what people say? They're like, they're in, when they're in their pity party, which none of you have ever been in a pity party. So I'll tell you, what I say when I'm in my pity, you're all professional Christians, I know. When I say in my pity party, someone says the truth to me, you know what I want to say? Well, that's easy for you to say. You don't know what I feel. And let me just help you. Thank God it's easy for someone to say. That's easy for you to say. Praise the Lord. It's easy for someone to say the truth to me. Are you hearing me? That's a good thing, not a bad thing. <laughs> Thank God. You're not feeling the pain I'm feeling because if we're both feeling this pain, we're really in trouble. I need someone to pull me out. Amen. So God's restoration is never done in isolation. It takes leaders and it takes community. So if you're in pain over our recent events and you don't show up to the roundtables, that is on you. Flat out. We're ready. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to convict you. <laughs> By the power of the Spirit, I hope you're convicted. If you got pain and you're dealing with it alone, you are a fool. I love you enough to talk to you like this. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> Somebody like, no, yes, no. <laughs> I'm being straight with you right now. It is foolishness to try and heal on your own. It is foolishness. Are you with me? It doesn't make you an actual fool. I'm saying you act in the fool. Got it? <laughs> okay. 
Hallelujah. Help me, Holy Ghost. So they start to build. They strengthen their hands for the work, for the building. Amen. This is where we are at in the story. And then guess what? Opposition begins. Opposition comes immediately. Opposition doesn't wait till you're halfway done. Opposition comes in on day one. Oh, you want to rebuild brokenness? Oh, I'm, you are immediately opposed. Some of you right now, I feel a spirit of opposition even from me. You're like, I can't hear this word because the way he's talking. I can't hear this word. Well, maybe next time you get a box of pizza and you start complaining about the box, and you start getting upset that the box is brown and not the colors that you like, then you can be justified on being upset about the vessel. I've never heard anyone complain about a pizza box because there's a pie in there. So if you're offended by the vessel, just open it up and take the pie. Okay? I don't know. I feel this right now. Maybe it's just on live stream, but, like, you're resisting your healing. You're resisting restoration by refusing the truth of what I'm saying. Because I'm not even saying it. This is the strategy of God through Nehemiah. He instructed him, and he's instructing us. How's that for bold talk? It's only going to get worse. <laughs> I'm looking at Matt because I know he's good. I know for sure we're good. Amen. Amen. <laughs> the opposition comes at the beginning. Say the beginning. I've even heard it said, the devil doesn't sit at the table. He waits in the car. You hear the news at the table, but then you get opposed as soon as you leave the room. It's immediate. I've seen it so many times. I've been at the table with people. We're good. They walk three feet that way, and they are not good anymore. The opposition comes immediately. You need to be aware of that. So these guys, Sambalat and Tobiah. It's like those words are like cuss words in my mouth. Sambalat, Tobiah. Ugh. Ugh. Hate these guys. All right? They come against them. They taunt them, and they say, you're not going to be able to rebuild. You're crazy. This will never happen. I just detest those voices. I'm like... Christians who talk to me that way, you know what my response is? Like, okay, see you in heaven. Bye now. You can't rebuild. You can't do that. You can't follow the God of, call of God on your life. I'm like, okay, God bless you. See you in heaven. We'll probably be sitting right next to each other at the wedding supper of the Lamb, and I'm good with that. But between now and then, just go. Just go. Hallelujah. Go quickly. <laughs> Some of you don't know what to do with me right now. <clears throat> The opposition comes quick. Say it comes quick. It comes hard and fast, all right? Because the devil knows if he can get you off foot immediately, then he might stop it completely, right? He's not going to let you. The enemy is not just going to let you start rebuilding and be like, oh, okay. Let's let them build a little. Let's let them get fortified. Let's let them get some wisdom. Let's let them get some healing, and then we'll try again. No. He never fights fair. The enemy doesn't fight fair. Are you with me? Okay, if I offended you, it's actually not my intention, so hallelujah, forgive me, amen. Nehemiah 3, 28 through 29, I just want to point out a couple things. The, be the rebuilding begins, and Nehemiah 3 talks about all the families that build, it lists them, but verse 28 and 29 notes that the priests would actually build in the broken places nearest their home. They would build wherever the closest point of the breach was nearest their home. And this is a picture of a priestly people who refu refuse to look to the walls of others first, the brokenness of others first, 
and they look to their own immediately outside their house. This is just like what Jesus said. You look at, for the speck in your brother's eye, you ignore the plank in your own. Right? It's not selfishness to build your own wall first. It's self-awareness. Amen? And we are a priestly people. We're a king. We are kings and priests, a royal priesthood. So this applies to us. This is a prophetic picture of us. We are, as the priests of God, are to build wherever it's broken closest to us. We're not to go help somebody else first and be like, hey, I know I have a lot of problems and things like that. I'm not going to work on them. I'm just going to work on you because you really need it, sister. Anybody been that Christian before and done that? Okay, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> it's silly, but it happens. Amen. The Lord shows us where we're broken, and then we find other people just, and we start working on them instead of working on us. Again, of course, none of you, you're all professional Christians, and you know exactly what to do in every situation, but this is for me. This word's for Caleb. You all are just listening. This word's for Caleb, okay? Cool? Does that help? I don't know what to do with you right now. Uh, we have to look to our own homes first. We have to be honest where we have broken down walls ourselves before we can help rebuild anyone else. Amen? Amen. So as they build, the opposition intensifies, and we're going to read this out of Nehemiah 4, 1 through 2. And there's something really amazing in the, the taunts of the enemy. If you pay attention, the enemy can only lie. So whatever he says, the opposite is true. So you can actually hear the, the, the plan in the taunt. It's great. He says, you're never going to, you know, lead nations. You go, I'm going to lead nations. <laughs> if the enemy says, you're never going to be good enough for, for that, I'm going to be more than enough for that. Like, it's just, it's easy. He overplays his hand every time. Are you with me? This is what it says, Nehemiah 4, 1 through 2. When Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. So it went from just a taunt to great rage. And he jeered at the Jews and he said, in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, do you hear that? He's saying to the armies, yo, pay attention, we're, we're going we're gonna to deal with this. He says, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn stones at that? Here's the answer. Yes. I love it. I love it. Instead of repeating what the enemy says to you, flip it and declare your pro the promises of God over your life. It's brilliant. So Nehemiah and the Jews, what we know from this verse, and it's true, they didn't go cut new stones. They didn't go to the quarry and find new stones. They built it in 52 days. You want to know why it was fast? Because they, they used the burned stones. They used the burnt stones that had fallen off the wall originally. Again, this taunt reveals the heart of God. He wants to use the broken to renew that which was broken. He wants to restore all that was lost with those who have been restored from loss. He doesn't give people who have never had loss. He finds those who are burned stones and willing to take their place on the wall. And they don't let their crispy demeanor deter them from taking their place. Say, so, yeah, I still got a little bit of smoke, but I'm in the wall. 
Do not buy into the lie. Your brokenness disqualifies you for the rebuilding. The truth is, the only people God has are broken people. God is not looking for new stones to build with. Only burnt stones who want their place back in the wall. Are there any burnt stones in the room? Yeah, that's right. See, the thing is, uh, my position right here, it gets really tough. Because I know your stories. I know your stories. I've been there. I've been there. For many of you, when the brokenness went, when you came off the wall, and you, you cannot say to a guy like me, I can't get back on the wall. I won't let it happen. It's actually the call of God on your life. Because you've overcome something. And now you can give it away. Otherwise, you know what you are? You're just a stumbling block. Out there separated, in a pity party, making everybody stumble. Why not get back on the wall? He's not looking for new stones. He's looking for burnt stones. So they have this taunt, and then Nehemiah Here's not just the taunt of the enemy, but the complaints of the people. Because usually both are happening at the same time. Okay. Nehemiah 4, 10 through 14. It says, in Judah it was said, that's a part, that's a tribe of Israel. The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. Nehemiah 4, 10 through 14. I believe we have it for the screens. The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. They're complaining, like, we can't do this. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So keep that up there for a second. Here's what it, just pause for a minute. The enemy taunts them. The people start saying, we're feeble, we're com we can't do this. All right? The, they, they're repeating the enemy's plans. We're going to come get you at night when you're sleeping. We won't even see it coming. We're going to take you out before you even know we're there. Right? And all their family members, their well-meaning fathers-in-law are saying, get out of Dodge. Come home. Abandon the plan of God. Get away from the wall. That's where the attack is coming. So you have their own compromise. You have and feebleness, which is understandable. It's a lot of work. Right? You have the enemy, their plans, which are known and pretty much hard to stop. And then you have even the family members saying, return to us. Get out of there. This is a very difficult moment for someone like Nehemiah. <laughs> very difficult to inspire that. And most leaders, you know what they do? They're like, okay, it's all right. Let's take a break. Everybody have a vacation. Take a breather. Get better. Come back when you're ready. I know it's hard. It's okay. Just go home for a little while. He does the exact opposite. What does it say? It says, so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people. <laughs> I, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Where the walls were the lowest where they were the most 
unprotected. He didn't just station them there. He charged them. It says, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. That means there are multiple conversations going on, all right? They didn't have microphones and stages and things. He had to talk to the people. He said to all these people right here, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. It's in our greatest moments of weakness and greatest moments of tragedy and most vulnerable seconds of our life that we need to hear something like that. Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord. Fight for your family. You don't need that when everything's peachy king. You're having the best day ever and someone goes, don't be afraid. You're like, I'm not. <laughs> Silly. It's when you're devastated. It's when somebody says, oh, I know you're scared. Go take the, the, the front lines of the fight. Go get on the front lines where you're most likely to be killed. And do not be afraid. This has a strategy in it. This is a plan. Are you ready? We're going to break it down. So the first step is to refuse fear. Refuse it. Fear is not your friend. It never will be. Perfect love drives out fear. Uh, you should be afraid of touching the stove. That's about it, all right? You should not be afraid of mankind or the enemy. Like, to live is Christ, to die is gain, y'all. Did you know that, like, death is a graduation party? Like, <laughs> okay, so what I'm doing right now is seeing how many people I can freak out to never come back. That's what I'm doing right now. Are you ready? Yeah. To live is Christ, to die is gain. All the devil can do to me is give me a gift. It's better to be absent from the body and present from the, to, with the Lord. You know how you overcome the enemy? Everybody says, the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. That is not the end of the sentence. It's not even the end of the verse. Blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving your life unto death. The problem is many in this room and many in the church love their lives too much. I just don't. What about your family? They're God's family before they're my family. He's got it. If he allows the enemy to take me out, everybody's getting a graduation, me included. Don't threaten me with heaven, bro. You can't threaten me with heaven. And you're like, oh, I don't live that way. Pray until you do. Pray until you do. I prayed for this, and God smacked me on the ground and electrocuted me for an hour. That's literally what happened. And I woke up from that thing without the fear of death and without the fear of you. It's wonderful. It's a great way to live. And a better way to die. My days are numbered, man. I know what they are. And I got promises over my life. You should sit next to me on airplanes and turbulence. It's great. It's great. Because I'll look you straight in the eyes like, don't worry. This thing ain't going down. And if it does, we're surviving because I got things to do. And you're right next to me, so it's okay. It's not my day. It's not my day, bro. So it's not your day because you're right there. Anyway. <laughs> Back to my notes before I get in more trouble. <laughs> the first step is refusing fear. The second step is remembering who's on your side. The God of angel armies, the line of the tribe of Judah, the Lord of all. Remember the Lord, Nehemiah said. Come on. Who is great and awesome. The next step is remembering who you're fighting for. 
You're fighting for your family. Your fight is never just for you. How selfish. Whatever you're overcoming is not just for you to be an overcomer. You know what more than an overcomer is? It's you overcome for you and for them and for them and for them and for them and for them. Your fight is for those around you and for those who will come after you. For the generations of faith that will follow. When we are only fighting for ourselves, our strength is doomed to fail. But when we see those around us in need, we can find a renewed power and strength from the Lord. I am in the most challenging moment, the most challenging moment of my ministry career, the second most challenging moment of my life, absolutely. And I'm not afraid because I've remembered the Lord, and I, I know this fight isn't just for me. Something happens on the inside. Let's keep reading. Nehemiah 4, 16 through 23, because it shows the response. It says, from that day on, half my servants worked on construction, and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on their work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. Here's mine. That's my weapon. Did I tell you I plan to hand deliver a plaque to the devil that says, I am your worst regret. Hand deliver that thing. That's what I plan to do. I'm going to make hell pay for ever touching me and this family. So those who carried burdens had a weapon in one hand and uh, labored with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. This is Nehemiah. Beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I, I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Some of you are like, hallelujah, why would you even mention that? It means they didn't change. They just stayed in their clothes. They didn't even have time to change, okay? Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Sometimes you have to clarify certain things, you know. The Bible is pretty mysterious. So they didn't take off. Why would they take off? All right. Let's break it down. Half were construction, half were ready with weapons at all times. Some of us are called to build in the natural, and some are called to build in the spirit. There actually are different assignments for different people. Some of you are like, I'm not emotionally thrown by the, the situation. Like, good. Help me, like, work out logistics. Like, I'm building, a, literally building a couple walls to wall off these things this week. I am. We're going to insulate the room for the first time ever, finally. Finally going to insulate it. So this side of the room won't be so hot anymore. Hallelujah. Right? We're, we actually are getting new chairs in next week. You're going to be like, oh, real church chairs. That's awesome. We're getting the mission statement put on that wall over there. It's time to build. It's time to build. And you're like, shouldn't you be praying and meeting with people? I'm like, I have my assignment. I am praying and meeting with people on top of all of that, just so you know. None of you wants my job. Right? Just, I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you. Okay. The point I'm pointing out here is some had different assignments than others. Right? 
Some of us are called to build one way, some are called to build the other way. The ones working on construction also had a sword, but they were assigned to the systems that need to be reestablished. The wall is a system. We can't say, oh, we need to abandon systems. We just need the spirit. The spirit is telling you about the systems. So you're actually abandoning the spirit by not building the system that the spirit breeds on. Did you catch that? It's recorded, so you can watch it back. I don't have time. All right. <laughs> the ones who are ready with weapons to war in the spirit through, that's a picture of prayer, of, of intercession, of just pulling down principalities in the spirit, ready for the enemy, establishing themselves against the enemy so that the workers don't even have to look behind their back. They're just building. Do you understand the picture? And then the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah as they were building the walls. Let me just say this. It's not on the leaders to do all the work. It's on the leaders to oversee the work being done well. Yeah. See, in moments, certain moments, it's like, well, the pastor didn't come to my house and talk to me about it. I didn't get a phone call. I was going through something. He didn't even know. He didn't care. I'm overseeing the whole work. And there are laborers in the room. And the reason you didn't get your whatever met is because somebody put down the shovel. Not at my command, but at their own apathy, at their own self-centeredness. It's not on the leaders to do all the work. It's on the leaders to oversee the work. So they held their weapon in one hand and carried the rubble with the other the burdens with the other. It's a picture of each one being a warrior no matter the assignment. Everyone's a warrior no matter the assignment. Everyone's called to establish himself in the fight. The sword is a picture of the word of God. Amen. We have to be equipped with the word of God in order to be ready as opposition comes and to know how to build. Are you with me? You're like, I'm like, if you all, listen, if this church, if every person in this church that calls resting place home is not in the word every day, we will have a weak place in the wall. And you got no excuses. It will read it to you. In like 20,000 translations for free. No excuse. Get in your car tomorrow and don't turn on talk radio. Turn on the word. And listen to it on your drive-in. Listen to it on your drive home. Something. No excuses, man. Like it's my full-time job to study the Bible and do stuff. I get that. I'm not asking you to do what I do. But do something. The sword, even though you're building, the sword is there. Amen? And then it says, when the trumpet was blown, everybody go to that place. They would run to defend the, the most vulnerable place on the wall. And we also, in this room, no matter our assignments, no matter what the Lord gives us, we have to be willing to have ears to hear the trumpet call when there are others who are in more danger than we are. You can't say, oh, sorry. That long hair guy said, build my own wall first. Deal with my own wall first. I know you're crying out for pain, in pain, but I got stuff to do. That's selfishness. When the trumpet is called, when someone says, help, when there are those suffering more than you, you put down your assignment and you go pick up their heart. The opposite is selfishness. Because, and it says, remember, when the trumpet sounds, go, because God will fight for us. <laughs> God will fight. God will defend your home. God will cover it. And then they slept in the city to keep guard. There are moments when your rest is on the battlefield, y'all. It's not the kind of rest you get in, in your bed. 
the rest in your bed and the rest on the battlefield are very different rests. But you can rest where you're assigned to rest. And don't use your need for rest as an excuse to get off the battlefield. That happens here all the time because of the name. Y'all just going to have to forgive me like 300 times today. I don't care. I'm a human being, and I'm under a lot of stress, so this is what you get. My filters are off. I just left them in the car. I'm like, I'm not even going to try today. I'm not even going to try. You want somebody to lie to you? Go to another church, right? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be a real human being up here. Amen. <laughs> I was, uh, Monday morning is my sweet angel of a life, wife, life, correct word, wife, life, yes. She lets me sleep on Monday mornings until my body wakes up. It's awesome. It's how I recover. It's wonderful. Two small children and a third, and a third child called the church. You know, it takes a lot out of somebody like me. So, yeah, I was, last week, I was laying there. I woke up at 7, and I just was like, no, Lord, no. No, I need to sleep. And I heard, just like I'm hearing my voice right now through this microphone, but on the inside, you know, that inner audible voice? I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I heard this from the Lord when I was like, Lord, I just want to sleep. He said, no warrior sleeps with an enemy at the gate. I was like, Whoa. I was like, babe, I need coffee. I was brushing my teeth. I immediately, I saw a text message. I called, I made a phone call immediately to one of our leaders, and she comes in. She sees me sitting up wide awake, like on my computer with my phone, and she's like, just gives me the coffee. She's like, right, here you go. I don't know what's happening. You know? She had no context or grid for my crazy, you know, which she's pretty used to. But <clears throat> there's a rest on the battlefield, but it's only for a season. You'll get to your bed when the building is done. Amen? They didn't change their clothes or let their weapons leave their hands. They were ready for a fight and for the work at all times. So this room, this church, and I'm sorry for going long, but I had to get it out. We have to stay diligent in seasons like this. We have to stay diligent. Say diligent. We have to be diligent in seasons like this. We have to be ready for the fight and ready for the work. And nobody gets a day off. It's a season. It's a moment. It's not forever. But it's time. It's time to pick up the shovel. Maybe you've got the sword. That's great. Pick up the shovel. Maybe you've got the, sh the shovel like you're serving your butt off around here, but you're not in the word. If you need to serve less to get in the word, then get the sword and the shovel. It's not either or. It's both and. A sword and a shovel. We have to have it if we hope to build. And if we build like this, it'll go like that. Amen? Would you stand? We're going to pray. I make no apologies for my crazy. I had this whole fear of being myself thing for a little while there. I know I'm a little on the nose. I know I'm kind of hard to take sometimes, but I'm just going to be me. I'm going to have the prayer team come, and I do want you standing like right here where the aisles meet so they can see you. Yeah. This team down here has faith for everyone. If you're here and you're like, I got broken down walls, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Not that you'd be punished, that you may be healed. Amen? They're a safe place of confession. You can come. You can do that. If you have pain in your body, come. We see miracles all the time. If you don't know the Lord Jesus and you're like, that guy's talking about somebody like they're a real person. He is a real person. 
He is actually enthroned in heavenly places. He is actually calling all men everywhere to repent, to change the way they're living. But the way you do that is by faith in him, by believing in him. And he makes all of that actually the most joyful, blissful adventure you could ever imagine. If you want righteousness, you want your life to be set right. If you want peace, you want everything in its right place. If you want joy, that's what's on the table from Jesus today. And if you don't know him, this is your opportunity to know him. Amen? So don't leave here without meeting Jesus and asking, how, how can I be saved? How can I meet him? How can I know him? Don't leave here without that. Amen? And if you're here and you just you have any other thing, please come down to them. But we're just going to pray right now. And I want you to close your eyes and ask the Lord, what, is, what does it look like for me to have a sword and a shovel? Where have I not picked up the sword? Where have I not picked up the shovel? Where have I relinquished the fight? And as you're just consulting with the Lord, this is what I'll say over you. Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your family. Fight for your family. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for grace. Even in pain, I thank you for grace. God, we receive your assignment. Some of us are to hold the spear all day long. Watchmen on the wall, intercessors. Some of us are to labor and build with our back turned to the enemy, not even knowing what's going on in the spirit realm. Some of us are called to step into a greater place of leadership, to oversee the great amount of work. Father, I pray that there would be a deep resounding yes in the room. That we would say yes to your assignment. Is anyone willing to do that right now? Say yes, Lord, to your assignment for me. Yes, Lord, to wherever you're placing me on the wall. Yes, Lord, to all of your plans through my life. So, Father, I pray for everyone in here who doesn't know you that they wouldn't be able to leave. By the power of your spirit, convict them. Grab them, Lord. Keep them until they're able to come down to this altar. And I pray for those who are... The found here who need to find freedom. Lord, I pray that they would break into a new realm of freedom out of obedience to you. And God, I, I do. I cry out to you. <laughs> you know, Lord. Make us peacemakers. Make us peacemakers in the earth. That peace would reign in our city. Because Jesus is Lord of all. So Lord, make us into your resting place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Love you. I hope that was helpful. Get your kids from TRP Kids. Come get prayer. We'll see you next week for our birthday celebration. See you then. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.